Good morning. Um, I just wanted to share a few things this morning before we listen to Mike. And um, that last song always gets to me because Mike wrote that song. Um, Chad Griswold, who was in our youth group for many years and I taught in Sunday school, he had a vision of uh, the, the father's hands reaching out and them being nail pierced. And uh, so Mike went away on his once a year fast. That's usually when he would write a song, when he would go to fast and pray. And um, it just, it's always meant a lot to me because, you know, he listened, he learned through the youth as well. He listened to what was on their heart. And um, so what I want to share goes along with what Joel shared last week. He talked about the father heart of God and how he used Mike as an example, as a father that we have all seen in action, and how if Mike, who was evil compared to God, as the scripture says, if our earthly fathers who are evil uh, can do and give us good things, how much more will our heavenly father? And so, you know, he talked about from the perspective of a father to his children, but I kind of wanted to share with you in honor of Mike that, you know, you were his spiritual children. And, you know, I've told you before, from the minute that Mike knew he had this tumor and his brain was all swollen and we had to rush down to the hospital and we, from the minute, you know, he got in the car and we began praying, he was not concerned about himself. He was thinking about his kids and you, his spiritual kids. And he said, I want to be real before them. As we were praying, God, I want to be real before them. I want to take them through this, and I want them to grow closer to you. And his concern was for you. And we prayed every night for all of you. And when Mike could no longer speak, he would agree in whatever way, you know, he could as I was praying. And you were his children. And so I want to teach you as his children a couple lessons that I learned. Just a few of the many lessons I learned during what I call my beautifully horrible year uh, that we we walked through. And um, so I want to share a couple of scriptures Matthew nineteen twenty six, Jesus said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, you know, I got to see that, and my kids got to see that. Some of you got to see it, but you guys didn't get to see Mike a whole lot because it just wasn't practical, but we got to see him walk out at home exactly what he walked out in his posts or his posts through me on Facebook and in front of you at church, and he walked this out that in with Christ, all things are possible, and so I just want to share a few of those things that I picked up. One, in Christ, it it's possible that the testimony of a surrendered life in the midst of the fire, a life walked so by faith that no circumstance can separate you from the love of Jesus, that that is just as powerful in Christ as an instantaneous healing. It is possible to believe for healing with your whole heart and to fight for healing with everything that's in you and to still be open, honest, and vulnerable about your sickness. And I am so thankful that Mike chose not to ever claim a healing before it was manifested in his body. Because if he had done that, I think we would have missed out on the testimony 
of someone who walks through the fire, sees the fire, recognizes the fire, but who is going to serve his God regardless of what he's walking through. And be content in all situations. In Christ, it is possible that everything you have physically can be taken away from you, little by little. And you can still walk full of gratitude to God and completely satisfied and content in Jesus. And I've seen with my own eyes that it is possible in Christ that all fear of death can go away and be replaced with excitement, joy, and anticipation as we approach the day when we run into our daddy's loving hands. And I could go on and on with all the possibilities in Christ that I saw actually lived out and that made my faith stronger and made the love of God and the presence of God much more real to me. But the last one I'm going to share is that, because this has been a time, I would say the last, I don't know, five to seven years of great loss for this church. And many in this, from this very building we have lost, and then many of you have lost loved ones that were very dear to you during this time. And I learned that it is possible in Christ to lose people that we could not imagine our life without and find that though our house is shaken to the core, we are not torn down and we continue to stand because through that, the one who we are standing on, that rock, becomes so much more real to us. And our focus becomes so much more on him and not on those things on this earth that we love and that we hold on to so dearly. And I just want to say, you know, for me this last year, I get asked all the time, how are you? And it's a hard question to answer because it's, it's different every day. But I have seen through Mike that it is possible to walk the, in the abundant life from the time we come to Jesus until the time we take that first breath in heaven. The abundance of life that we walk in is not dependent on our circumstances. And you know, This year has been full of sorrow and grief for me and for many of you who loved Mike so much. But that is part of the abundant life. Because with the abundant life, we love like Jesus. We love more deeply. So, of course, our pain is going to be very deep. And I just want to encourage you, any of you going through loss or grief, Don't run from situations that bring it up. Let yourself cry freely. Let yourself grieve. Because every time, that's a reminder of how much you loved, of this great relationship. It's a time to thank God for this awesome relationship you had with that person that you've lost. So I have found in Jesus that not just hanging on, not just barely making it through this year, but abundant life. Yes, lots of sorrow and grieving, but so full of joy and fun and laughter and hope in in the future that the Lord gives us. So that is my lesson to you that I learned from Mike. Good morning, church. I so want to give a message, but it is 
really difficult to have the energy and the stamina to give an entire message. So I may do this in parts and join it together. Um, but it's funny, it's, it's really hard for me to formulate um, and type things out. And so uh, I've only got three days of radiation left and the, the doctors said after this some of my thinking should come back and um, so I have uh, three more days of radiation I have four more days of chemo pills or maybe it's five and um, then I'm going to take a about a six week break and I believe it's in um, December 19th, I think, I will have another MRI. And the doctor says it's the cancer's never gone by then. So you know what we're praying for. Um, but uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, I get to get hooked up to an IV and get a vitamin boost. Wow, I should have preached this tomorrow night. Uh, but I hope that makes a huge difference with my energy level because I've never really felt anything like this. And um, so I, you know, my dad it, it talked about going back to basics and um, Malcolm, in fact, had a similar message that was going on in his heart back to the basics. And so I thought I'd jump in here and talk to you about a back to the basics uh, message and um, really I want to give to you my life goal that has been burning in my heart for about 28 years now about 28 years ago I found out what the um, the goal of my life was found in the Word of God and you know people say well what's your goal for life what's your goal for you know what do you want to do here or there my goal has been the same for about 28 years I want to know the Lord. I want to be intimate with Him. Paul, Paul said it in Philippians 3.10. I want to know the Lord. That was the goal of his life, was to know the Lord. It wasn't to start 2,500 more churches. It wasn't to raise 10 more dead people. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, to do all these things. His goal was to know the Lord. And... Um, so my goal has been intimacy with the Lord, to know Him. And when, I, when I've thought about this point multiple times through the years, I've preached this message over and over. I used to disguise it to the youth group so they wouldn't know what it was till the end. Uh, because this to, me was, this to me was the goal of the Christian life. So I need to talk about the goal of the Christian life over and over and over because of how easy it is to get distracted from simple devotion to Jesus Christ. And um, so, when I think of that phrase, I want to know you. Now, if you remember in Daniel chapter 10, verse 32, I think it says, and the people will know their God, will be like him, well, that's not what it says. See my brain. Let's see. The people that know their God will know the Lord, will do great, will be strong in the Lord. I'm sorry. <laughs> it says something really good along the lines of, of intimacy and, and of, of knowing the Lord and of his character. Will be strong and carry out great exploits. There it is. They will be strong, strong in the Lord, and then they'll do great exploits. So there it is. The people that know their God, intimacy, will be strong, character, and carry out great exploits, power. The goal of my life, based upon Philippians 3.10, based upon you know the great commandment, was to know the Lord. Love Him with every fiber of your being, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love Him with everything. Know Him. Because the more you know him, the more you love him. And um, so it was to know the Lord, to be intimate with the Lord. And the Lord, <clears throat> you got to believe this. 
this is not for the super prophet or the great apostle or the missionary. The invitation to know the Lord is to every child of God. Every person is invited into this intimate relationship with God. And the only thing that's keeping you and I from that is you and I. It has nothing to do with luck. It has nothing to do with calling. It has nothing to do with your genes. It has to do with what you do with the invitation of the Lord to draw close. Draw close. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And I heard this this said years ago and it stuck with me. You're as close to the Lord as you want to be. You're as close as you want to be. So when you see somebody who's really close to the Lord, they're not lucky. They're simply want more. And because they want more, God gives more. And, and they don't want more in, a, in a, uh, a sense of just, oh, yeah, I want more. And, yeah, it's just a belief state. No, it actually alters their plans, their time, and their emphasis of their life. Because I want to know him. And I think about the Apostle Paul. He knew him. Paul knew the Lord. He saw the Lord. He heard the Lord's voice. He was caught up into the third heaven. The Lord appeared to him. The Lord gave him by revelation much of, of, of his doctrine, which, you know, fits with the rest of the New Testament, with the Bible, with the words of Jesus. So when Paul said, I want to know the Lord, I think, what do you mean you want to know the Lord? All of our lives, and I think into eternity, I don't know if I can prove that scripturally, but I think we will grow more intimate with the Lord through the years, through the millennia, that we will continue to know the Lord more and more because there's so much of him to know. And so when Paul said, I want to know the Lord, I'm thinking... Paul, you know the Lord, but he wants to know him more. And so, um, knowing the Lord produces Christ-like character. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering becoming like you in death so as to attain from the resurrection of the dead. So in, in that phrase there, uh, uh, I want to know the fellowship of suffering. Peter said that w- when we suffer our flesh, we're done with sin. So f- suffering the flesh, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, is what produces or, or causes us to grow in Christ's likeness. Now, you remember this. You become what you behold. And so Paul said this in 2 Corinthians, um, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed from one place of glory to the next state of glory. So beholding the Lord causes us to become Christ-like. Intimacy True intimacy leads to Christ-like character. If you remember, the apostles were told that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power from on high and you will be witnesses. Not that you will do witnessing. You'll actually become a witness. It will become what you are. You will become Christ-like. You won't have to... uh, do all kinds of things you don't like to do. No, because you become like Christ. You, got a, you have a new nature. The more you behold him, the more you're transformed like him. So this whole thing where you have to grit your teeth and bear it, yes, that takes place some of the time where we want to sin, Oh, I'm, but I'm not going to. But then there's other times where we are so being transformed, we don't even want to sin. We want to follow God. We want to seek his face. So... <clears throat> I'm speaking to me. If the worship you offer up 
doesn't make you a better husband or wife. It's not worship. It's form. Do you remember one of the signs of the last days will be a form of godliness? And folks, we must grow in this area of Christ-like character. We have chosen a form of godliness. We have chosen forms. We have well-organized messages. We have well-organized churches. We have the best sound systems, the best this, the best songs, the uh, the best bands, uh, the best programs, the best children ministry, the best house, but uh, the best houses of the Lord. Um, but we, but we don't know the Lord. We don't know the Lord because when you know the Lord, the statistics that are in the church today about the state of the church wouldn't be there if we really knew Him. Knowing the Lord produces kindness, Christ-like kindness. And I know of people that have been in the church 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and they're not nice. They don't know the Lord. You cannot have intimacy and not have your character changed. Yes, you can have. You can have forms of godliness. You can spend time reading the Bible and not be changed by it. Just like the Pharisees weren't changed by all their study of scripture. So you can do. You and I can do Christian forms and even do them well. But if the goal isn't to encounter God, and if our goal is just to finish our morning devotions or our evening devotions or our daily prayer time or our time in the Word, if our goal is not to encounter the Lord, we will not be transformed by those disciplines because we've just simply narrowed them down to disciplines. We haven't viewed them as the means of becoming intimate with the Lord. And therefore, you can pray, but if you're not a better husband or wife or son or daughter or, or parent, because of that time in, in the Word or that time in prayer or that time in fellowship, We're not encountering Jesus. Jesus changes lives. Jesus transforms people. And if you give up all this going crazy worship or this being incredibly reverent in worship, if you, if you worship with all your heart, but you're not more patient, if you're not a better employee because of it, then all you're doing is worshiping worship. Folks, true worship will change you. If you are a worshiper, if you are a worshiper, you will be kinder. You will be more patient. You will be a better husband. You will be a better father. You'll be a better son or daughter. Worshiping the Lord, beholding the Lord, seeing the Lord, it will change you. Or it's not worship. It's a form. Prayer will change you if you're connecting with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. But if you just do go through your form, if you just go through your ritual, if you're just having your prayer time, and you're not encountering God, you have a form of prayer but you're not encountering God. If you read the Bible through and you're not changed by it, you're not more loving, you're not more caring, you're not more compassionate, you're, you're not a better employee, you're not a better neighbor, 
then all you have is, a, is head knowledge. All, that's all you have. And folks, it, I, I mean, we're, we're called to be intimate. People who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. Intimacy, character, power. That's been the goal of my life. I forget about it a lot. I get into form just as much as you get into form. Uh, You know, having good doctrine is really important. But knowing the person about who the doctrine is about, knowing that person, it will change you. It will, it will transform you. It will make you into a new person. Intimacy. Intimacy that doesn't make you... a worshiper inside and outside. At church and at your house at your house and at your place of work, in your car and when you're driving. Folks, if we know the Lord, we become like him. We with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. So if your worship, your beholding of the Lord in prayer, in the word, in worship, in serving other people, if if that beholding isn't transforming you and I, then we have form and not the presence of God. Folks, we have some pretty good form around here. I don't know how much presence we have. I don't know how much presence we have. Because the presence of God, the presence of God changes you and I. We're at peace when we're in a storm. We have joy in the midst of the trial of our own, of our life, of our family. When you know him, you become like him. That's why so many people go to church and they don't have Christ-like character at home or at work because they came to church to fulfill a duty and they fulfilled their duty but they didn't come to church to encounter the living presence of God in the corporate assembly to be transformed but if the only time you seek the Lord is during our Sunday morning session, that will never change you the way we're supposed to be changed. That won't keep us changed. That won't keep us growing because we are changed because we become seekers of God because at church, we got motivated by his presence. We got motivated by his his word that's living and alive. We got motivated by his presence that came on us in corporate worship so much so that we went home to have private worship. If, if corporate worship and corporate seeking of God doesn't make us seek him when we're alone, we're not encountering God at church. We're encountering a form of God, a form of church. Church should be so alive and so so full of the presence of God that it changes us to become God seekers at at home, at work, uh, when we're going to work, when we're at school, when we're with the family. When we know him, we radiate him. It was said of the uh, disciples, And they took note of them 
that they had been with Jesus. Folks, you have no idea how much this grips me as your pastor. Is that we could have a church that's a good church where people don't know the Lord. They are growing in Christ-like character and they're not displaying his power. Intimacy, character, and power. Now, you can have power and not really have intimacy or character. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 7. They'll come to him at the end of time and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not work miracles? Did we not uh, cleanse people of demons? And Jesus will say, department free, I never knew you, knew, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. In other words, they did not have Christ-like character, but because they had hunger for spiritual gifts, which is a good thing, and, but, and because the gifts of God are, the gifts of God are without calling, no, that's not right, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. <laughs> God doesn't take them back. You can actually walk in a degree of power. You can actually prophesy accurately. You can actually pray for the sick and see them healed. And according to Matthew 7, he may someday say to you or I, depart from me, I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. So folks, it all begins back here at intimacy. I want to know him. Knowing the Lord produces. Those who abide in the presence of God, it produces Christ-likeness. It produces character. It produces us walking with the Lord and seeing the Lord and hearing the Lord and knowing the Lord. It causes Christ-like character. We become kinder and more gentle and we want to serve and we want to serve, uh, we want to serve the Lord His way, not our way, not so that we receive credit, so everything's being, it's going our way. But He, God wants us, Christ's likeness produces in us the nature of Christ, and it only comes from intimacy. You become what you behold. You become who you admire the most, who you look at the most, who you think about the most, who you even worship the most, whether that's a person or it's the presence of God. Uh, we must become intimate with Jesus. And way too often... We are depending upon our past knowledge, our past encounters with God, our past experiences in God, and we don't have fresh manna. We're dry. And the reason we're dry is we have a form of godliness because you cannot get near the fire and, and not start burning. And if we don't have fire in our bones, in our relationship with God, it's because we're not beholding and touching the fire. Because when you touch the fire, you and I will start burning with the presence of God. And folks, I'm so concerned for so many in America who go to church And we're not like, and we're like the world. We still worry like the world. We're still stressed out like the world. We still yell at our spouses like the world. We still get impatient like the world. We still use language like the world. We still have uh, sexually immoral thoughts or, or, or lust or, or actions even 
that is just like the world. Where's Christ's likeness? Where is them taking notice? You guys hang out with Jesus. You guys have supernatural peace and supernatural presence and joy and peace. Where is that? Where is that? Where is the world being drawn and attracted to Christ's likeness? Sinners loved Jesus. But sinners don't like a lot of Christians. Be- not because of our Christ-likeness, but because of our meanness and worldliness and pride and seeing one behavior here and seeing another behavior there. Folks, we must be changed. We must be changed. And the only way we can be changed is by beholding the Lord. And the only way I know to behold the Lord is both when we come to church to encounter God, not to come to church to fulfill our duty, but to come to church to encounter God and be changed by the presence of God and to receive from the people of God. And the only other way we're changed is by our private, personal, devotional, seeking his face life. And I I had three sayings. Let's see if I can get them. But um, the single most important thing you do every single day is your personal devotional time with Jesus Christ. Single most important thing you can do each and every day is, is not have your devotions, have your encounter with a living God. Confessing any and every sin right away, not defending it, worshiping Him on our own, digging into his word to encounter him, talking to him, to intercede for people that we care about and to be transformed. So, your devotional life at home, your devotional life on your car drive-in to work, school, In the middle of the night, as you go to bed, if that devotional time isn't changing you and I, we have religion. That's what we have. Beholding the Lord produces Christ-like character. And the last goal of my life is power. The power of God to both change me and change those around me who want to tap into what he's doing in me, what's alive in me, what's living in me. The power of God to flow through me, to flow to me, the power to be like him, the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of doing the works of Jesus. We must never stop seeking intimacy, character, and power. It's what our lives must be about. Yes, we can have different goals out here and goals over here, but folks, it must stay in your minds at all times, intimacy, character, power. I want to know you. I want to know the fellowship of your suffering. And I want to know your power. And that power is like the, the mighty working of his power that raised the dead. That's what we're after. That's what we're after, to see people that are dead in sin come alive. I must have more. I must have more intimacy. I must have more character. And I must have no more power. And the issue is never on his end. The issue is never on him withholding. The issue is always on me withholding, me keeping back, me holding on to some secret sin. The issue is never on his end. His, his, on his end, his arms are open wide. He's saying, come. He's saying, come, come, come. I'm not holding back. 
Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God. I'm as close to God as I want to be. You say, no, no, Mike, I want to be way closer. No, 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 no. It's not true. I'm as close to God as I want to be. So wherever you are right now, that's where you want to be. No, Mike, I want to be closer. No, no, you don't. I don't. Because he's not holding back. Papa's not holding back from you and I. In the, in, in, in the realm of intimacy, in the realm of character, in the realm of power, he's not holding back. People of God, we're the ones holding back. It's me. It's you. We're holding back. We've, 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 we've got Christianity down in a really good form. We simply don't know him. We simply don't display his character in our lives. In all the ways that we should display his character. And his power is to flow through us. So let me just say to you and I again. If your time in worship, in the word, in prayer, in church. If it's not making you into a better husband. A better wife. A better son or daughter. A better parent. A better single person. We don't have Jesus. We have a form of Jesus. Here's how I know I'm a believer. I'm changing. I'm changing. Not every day. Oh, he's changing me every day. No, don't do that to yourself. But as you look back over the years, are you more like Jesus? then you're a child of God. Because a child of God, God never stops changing. A child of God never stops changing to become more like Jesus. Hallelujah for that. Hallelujah for that. The church in America desperately needs to rediscover what it is to walk in intimacy, character, and power. Let's, well, I think I'll just stand up and pray. Or someone else will stand up and pray. And um, the Lord bless you. Lord, awaken every one of our hearts. The Lord, destroy the spirit of religion. The Lord, destroy every form of godliness that denies the transforming power in experiential ways. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, what I kind of wanted to do was, like Mom and I did the last two weeks, is just kind of share what God taught us through all of this. And, um, and I'm grateful to go through, to, to have fellowship in his suffering. I'm grateful that we get to suffer here on earth and become more like him and yield to him in the midst of it. It's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. But but what I wanted to do was open up a time for you guys. If there's, so be thinking of it here and try to narrow it down to like a, a minute or it can just be a statement. And I can take the mic around to you so you don't have to come up and stand in front of everyone. But I just wanted um, from you guys, what what did you learn in all of this? What did God show you in all of this? And did you draw closer to God in all of this? Were you amazed that you were able to have peace in the midst of this storm? And just, uh, what have you learned? So, I learned um, perspective. I really felt like um, uh, 
my perspective changed so much by watching uh, Mike and your family go through this, and it uh, really opened my eyes to um, just a different perspective. That's me too. Who else? <clears throat> narrow this down and make a long story short. <laughs> um, I've had something miraculous happen to me here and very recently, but I look back and I, I heard your father saying, I heard Mike saying that, you know, you can look back and boy, I have changed so much and I can't imagine my life without the Lord and without, I'm being broken. I'm always feeling, I feel broken, and I'm thinking, gosh, I'm just so broken. But I'm so open when I'm broken. And I've had a lot of health problems in my family. We struggle. And in the midst of the chaos, and I always tell my daughter, we are being prepared for something that is not of this place. Okay, because it's just so out there. But anyway, I've been very ill um, and fighting health problems. And this last thing I had, um, they had told me that I had a mass in my pancreas and I had all these different CAT scans and all this business going in and out. Of and finally, when we got down to the nitty gritty of um, going in and seeing exactly what it was. I'd already accepted the fact that I tried to prepare my kids and my house and my world and my and talking face to face with the Lord. I just like I could feel his fingerprints on me and I and I'm so unworthy and I just never expected I would never expect to be healed. I figure if you're healed that's it's God's will and so I just always pray for his will, but when they scoped in the scope and all this other business with my tests, they, they found out that the mass was gone. It was disappeared. And I didn't expect it. You know, it's amazing how God works. I was so unworthy, too. I remember losing my temper. I remember being nothing Christ-like. Oh, you know, I had forgot my paperwork. We're an hour late. I'm thinking my kids. I'm like, ah, you know? That's what the Lord did for me. And if you can go through that and not be changed, there's something wrong. You know? I don't know how many people realize that um, on the 20th of September last year, I had a stroke. And it was the third stroke I had in nine months and it um, left me with an inability to speak intelligibly and I praise God that even though the equilibrium and balance or a challenge in depth perception. Um, the Lord has given me breath one right after another all this time because he has a purpose. And he's restored my ability to communicate and at least better than uh, I had been able to. So I am so grateful that I have a family here that I know I can call on and that have, have helped me in so many ways. And I don't know why God has chosen to preserve me too. And this is only a portion of it. There's many other issues. But um, God has chosen to preserve me too so much. 
and and I'm here and I'm alive and I'm grateful and I do want that intimacy and it was to me like Mike was here today And I'm so grateful that he's been able to spend a year in the presence of God. I've been here at Kern Christian Church for 33 years, and... um, over those years, under Dwayne and under Mike and now under Joel's leadership, the call has always been to us to grow in intimacy. And over those years, as we've um, heard so many messages and seen the lives of our pastors uh, displaying their hunger for more of God, um, We've had the privilege to continue to grow and to reach for that. And, um, you know, when Mike was saying he couldn't believe that Paul would say, you know, he wanted to know. I think a lot of us, as we would hear Mike from the pulpit talk about his hunger uh, and yet his contentment, we would wonder how much more intimate could he be with Jesus as if, you know, thinking he somehow must have arrived because he had such intimacy, but he was always stretching. And what what a life goal that we get to share in and also accept for ourselves that we will always be growing and we need to always be reaching And I love that we get to hear again today the call to examine our own lives and look, are we just having a form? And I come from a history uh, of a form of religion and something I had to learn the difference of between true religion and a form. And um, that reminder never gets old of, Are we really changed? Are we really being more Christ-like? And I appreciate this church body and its leadership so much for never dismissing that message, never thinking that we are such a mature group of believers that we don't still need to hear that it's so easy to fall into that form and forget the intimacy. I feel like um, I've learned a lot about strength, a lot about growing in your own strength, being able to overcome obstacles that may come your way, especially like, God, I'm crying, (laughs) but um, just like being able to find that strength to be able to overcome and then have God help you overcome the obstacles that come your way, having him help you pray through it and worship through it, even though it feels really, really hard in that moment. I just feel like he gives the strength even like afterwards, like if there's other obstacles, like he'll help you pull through it. And it's really hard to think about sometimes because you don't feel as strong as you actually are, but it is a lot harder to think about because, well, I always didn't think I was super strong, but when I had overcome many, many obstacles, I felt myself growing, and I felt myself becoming um, closer to Jesus and closer to God as I possibly could, and I've just found strength in other people that, you know, you wouldn't have... Uh, that they would have seen their own strength and it's been well quite a crazy ride 
I see a lot of hands go up, and we don't have a lot of time, so try to just keep it to a minute if you can. I think you went up, yeah. I just look back over the last year, and I'm just amazed at how much we can see that God's still working. And I'm thankful for that. And I look, and we never know where God's using circumstances. We just never know. And I'm just learning more and more. God used, God will work all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. And he's still at work, and he's still using the messages and the songs and all of that. Mike lives on in our hearts. He does. In observing this family through that whole year, there's a song that comes back by Andre Crouch. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And watching them go through this in, in all the feelings that they had, the joy, the rejoicing, this is something they displayed before the church so that we would know that Jesus said, in this world, we're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I love Pastor Mike. I love your family. I had grown in this, in God, in this church so much. My whole family, I think. Um, Pastor Mike will be very proud of me today because I did get married to Robert Bowman on Friday, and uh, for me, listening to him right there, it's like, Pastor Mike, you're here with us. You're here, and I miss him, and Sharon, and all of you, I'm growing and growing, and I'm just growing on him, and I felt, okay, I'm very obedient. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not going to sin in that area. I, you know, and we're very happy, and we gonna, we love God, Jesus, the church body, and we will have something for our family and church friends, because you guys are family to me. I walk with your prayers every day, and I pray for the, you all. And um, I want to thank everybody, especially Pastor Mike, for being there for me. You know, we Destiny Kids was our thing. I, Destiny Kids, she shared a video that I shared, uh, Dorothy. And it, I was just crying because I can hear his voice. Walking to the left, walk to the right with Destiny Kids. It was just amazing. So I praise the Lord so much. And I thank him for his favors, for his blessings, those blessings. And uh, we are here for or our church friends and family. And I'm happy. I'm like, yes, Pastor Mike, you're preaching, and I did the right thing. Yes, you know, I'm proud of myself. And yes, thank you. Working with Mike for 12 years is one thing that really impressed me immensely is that the fact is that seeing him and his wife constantly going into the office and sharing with married people or single people, whatever, and knowing that the door was always open to them, and it's up to the person to come to them, and they did. And they always accepted him. They tried to work with them. And that really impressed me. The fact is he never closed the door on anybody. It was open to anybody who wanted to take the time to find out if they could help. And your mom, Cheryl, and him were such devout workers with people. They didn't give up on them. They didn't tell them to get lost or anything. They worked with him, and it was a blessing to me to see his constant desire to help people. All right, last one right here. I don't need this. <laughs> you know what? What does the Word of God say? Here he is, a grayer testimony in his death than he ever was in his life. But he knew 10 years beforehand... If somebody could just tell me when they had that class that he taught, God showed him. And he lived it, and we get to see, and he's greater in his death than he was in his Don't tell me there's no God. That's a lie. <laughs> amen, amen. Lord bless you. God, thank you for dad's life and thank you for his death that he has risen in you made clean because of you and may we all take to heart the the example that he lived before us God and the example that he showed us even unto his death God the rejoicing that remained
and the joy and peace that remained in him, God, and that constant desire uh, for others, for you and for others. We just thank you for it, God, and we rejoice in it. What What a beautiful heritage we have. We thank you. It's, it's you, God. It belongs to you. Every good and perfect gift belongs to you. And dad was a good gift to this body and to this earth, God. And I'm sure he's even a greater gift in your presence now, God. Thank you. Uh, amen.